this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The following program is rated for mature audiences and may contain adult language, adult situations, and frank safety discussions. The names and certain details have been changed to protect the safe and the unsafe. But believe me, every item in here is true. This is Jim Polzy with Safety Wars. Safety Triangles. What the heck is a safety triangle? Is it a force for good or a force for evil? I'll attempt to answer that question today. This morning on the Rated R Safety Show, Dr. Jay Allen discussed the safety pyramid. Jay is the Chief Safety Officer of Safety FM, which this program is a part of. I'm sure he triggered more people than just me. So, what is the safety pyramid? It is the conceptual diagram that behavior-based safety is based on. It originally was proposed by Herbert Heinrich back in the 1930s. Heinrich worked for an insurance company, and he came up with this triangle based on the statistics of accidents that he was investigating. Picture this. At the bottom row of the pyramid, there are near misses. For every 300 near misses, incidents without injuries or damage, there are 30 incidents on top of it that cause some kind of damage and one major accident. Later on, another researcher in the 1960s named Frank Bird expanded on this concept and came up with some different numbers, but the same idea. His numbers are that for every 600 near misses, there are 30 minor accidents, 10 serious accidents, and one fatality. So, in comes behavior-based safety. The theory is that if you reduce the number of at-risk behaviors at the bottom of this triangle, you reduce the likelihood of an accident on the top. So, where is this system promoted? It's promoted by a majority of safety professionals in virtually all industries. This sounds good, right? Reduce at-risk behaviors. This is how it really is implemented. In my experience, in the construction environmental industries, nothing has caused more bad blood between management, workers, and safety people than this triangle. What it assumes is that there is no penalty for reporting near misses and negative audits and that we are all here to report objective things. What happens? It evolves into this. One, blame the worker for at-risk behaviors because 80% of accidents are caused by unsafe acts and not unsafe conditions. Further promote the bad apple theory. This is number two of the 1920s where you need to get rid of bad apples to make work safer and better. It disincentivizes what it is intended to promote, openness and teamwork. Here is one real-world example. Some of my listeners will know the story already. I was on a huge project that heavily promoted this behavior-based safety system. We had a system in place to report near misses. We had safety audits almost every day. We had team audits as a team. We had everything else that went along with it. The tracking, computer programs, Excel spreadsheets, you name it, we had it. So... What happened when an accident happened? You got it right. Blame the worker. God forbid if you were the one who was identified at doing risky things, uh, or if a manager had a problem with you. You would then become the bad apple and need to be eliminated. So, what happened? Safety became disincentivized. Worker worked against worker. Teammate against teammate. Foreman against worker. Worker against foreman. Foreman and worker against manager and everybody against the safety person. This facility went one step beyond all of this. They said that if an incident happened, that meant that you deliberately did not report hundreds of near misses 
and thousands of other unsafe acts, and you are not doing your job. Because if you reported this stuff, we wouldn't have had this. If we were able to identify this stuff, we were unable to fix it, and you were not there to fix it. Everyone needed to get in with the program. You talk about a toxic workplace. That company, and it's a huge one, I assure you, all of you have heard of, has had a reputation for this type of behavior that they have not been able to shake even 20 years later. I didn't realize how bad it was until I wore a t-shirt from that company 500 miles away from that facility and was asked to take it off because people had such bad experiences with them and they were being triggered by them. You talk about PTSD, and I don't take that lightly. People actually had PTSD from working there. They named the management group by name, I mean individuals, and it was far from the last time I ever had to hear about them. I most recently heard about them by name last week. Another example, another facility had a great program based on behavior-based safety. It was great until we were on the receiving end of a couple of bad audits and a mid-level manager came down and cursed us out, MF'd us, and screamed and yelled because his manager got upset with some bad audits. And as they say, Gluvno rolls downhill. But in reality, the audits were normal audits. Nothing really out of the ordinary. So I thought, right? He essentially destroyed any goodwill the safety department had with anyone else single-handedly and completely destroyed the company culture for safety. Safety went downhill from there. And it was right from one manager doing that. One of the huge incentives for managers is to reduce at-risk behavior because attention is pushed away from them when something goes wrong. One disclaimer here, mature managers who are fully self-actualized don't do this kind of stuff. The incentive for this type of manager, right, is never to go further down the triangle and address what's underneath at-risk behaviors. It's attitudes, values, physical, knowledge, and execution fact, and what the incentives are in the system that lead to those at-risk behaviors. My opinion why they don't address it? Because then the finger goes to them, and they have to change their own system, and it takes away from everything else that they have to do, which is reduce a product at a cheap cost, whether you're doing construction, manufacturing, or what have you. Anytime that they're distracted by that, it seems that they feel their bottom line is shot. But they don't look at the other side of this, where if you get hurt, there is a cost to that. And if there is an incident, there is a cost to that. And that takes off your bottom line. But that's a discussion for another show. So what's the safety person to do? We are often put into the middle of this thing and get the ire of both management and the workers, further making us the focus of derision. So what do we do with all this? How do we fix this situation? First, you need to decide if the organization is fixable. If the C-suite people refuse to listen to you, refuse to listen to anyone else, and are okay with a toxic work environment, they may be unfixable, and at that point you have to make a decision whether you're going to leave or not, or continue to be hated by everyone. If you can get the C-suite people to listen to you or someone else, make it happen. Remember, you have to meet people where they are. As an industry, we have invested time, millions, perhaps billions of dollars in these programs. Everyone acknowledges to some point that these things really aren't working to drive us down to the zero goal that everybody wants to get to. That, in my opinion, is a fantasy. So, they're not going to change so easily. 
Here on Safety FM, there's a lot of good information on error modes, put out by Todd Conklin, Jay Allen, and many of the other hosts. Investigate some of those because behavior-based safety may be putting you into a more riskier error mode, which is causing an increase in accidents. So learn about human and organizational performance, also known as HOP, Safety 2.0, Learning Teams, etc. Try to implement those philosophies into your organization. One way to start to change is to change yourself and get out of these negative ways of managing people. Find out what works and doesn't work in your organization. Maybe a hybrid of HOP and BBS. A lot of these workplaces have a combo of both that are successful with safety. I think getting the best of both worlds might be something we strive for. The bottom line of that darn triangle is negative attitudes and values. Those are the building blocks you need to address regardless of what you do, but they may also be the hardest. If you do address them, your job becomes a lot easier and your work a better place overall. Remember, denial is deadly and hope is not a strategy for safety wars. This is Jim Pozel, your humble safety professional. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.